Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man vs. Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Welcome to another Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn and this is Simon This is Simon Provan. What the heck is going on today, Simon? <laughs> Holy cow. I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Maybe now it sounds good. Okay. There we go. Know. Goodness. That Technical really difficulties to start out the day. You've got a severe lack of sleep. I got a severe lack of sleep. Perfect. That, What's the worst that, that could happen? That's the theme of our past couple weeks here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We only can say welcome so many times, my goodness. That is so strange. Okay, I think I figured it out. I don't know. Hey, just for the record, Baxter <sighs> yes. is the one doing the producing responsibility. Oh, there today. it is. Okay. Me. There we go. I know, for once. Uh, at least I was like, hello, everybody. <laughs> no, I think we're good. Oh, uh, hello. I'm only like a fourth through my coffee, too, so I'll blame it on oh, okay, that as well. Okay, there you go. That, that, works. Think we're, that works. Think we're okay with everything. That needs to needs to go on that one. Now you're, now you're adjusting my levels, too. Yeah, Goodness. there we go. There we go. Are, are, we, good? are we good? Are you good? I'm fine. I'm good. Hey, welcome everybody oh, hey to uh, Two Up Front. So glad to have you here. I think I, I think I turned too many dials too far. Well, ah, well, whatever. Anyway, hi guys. Thanks for having. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, we've wasted the first minute and 45 seconds of our show. So glad to have you here. Uh, another exciting edition of Two Up Front here for you today. We have uh, some great guests coming up later on in the show as well. Washington Spirit head coach Jim Gabara will be with us to preview the upcoming season for his Spirit team and also talk a little bit about women's soccer as a whole. He's been around for a long time, a very knowledgeable man that Simon and I had a chance to speak with uh, last week and then had the interview playing today. So it was great to get to speak with him. And you always like talking to coaches, Simon, you've always mentioned. and I do. I think it's because, um, you know, as... As I mentioned to uh, to other people as well, I did a lot of watching. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I played a lot on the field as well. But sure. the older I got, you know, I wasn't I wasn't as good as my brothers. They 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 did far many other big things than I did. So I did a lot of watching of good the tracing game. of words. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> far many good things on the field they did. I, mean, I can't English today. Anyways, no. So so my passion, not passion, but I enjoy talking to coaches mm-hmm. because that's where a lot of. Um, my background is not that I've coached a lot, but and I, I do coach, 
what a great show we got going on. <laughs> you appreciate here's, it. Because here's what of, I'm saying, because yes. I've watched so much with my brothers playing. I yes. watched a lot with my sister playing. That that's kind of what my perspective is. Sure. Is, You're used is to seeing it from that. the bird's eye view. Yes. Okay. So that in that aspect, that you'll hear Simon and Jim go at it a little bit, which is a lot of fun. So we'll see what they have to talk about. Uh, also, though, coming up later on in the show, we will have uh, United States International and Western New York Flash midfielder Sam Mewis on our show as well. She'll be chatting a little bit about her recent time with the women's national team and also with the uh, Flash as well as she is continuing to come into her second season for the Flash and uh, what it's like to also have a sibling in the league as well. So we'll hear that interview a little bit later on. So before we get to all of that, though, we want to remind all of you that you can listen to the show right here on Sports Radio America from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday evenings on SportsRadioAmerica.com and on the TuneIn app. And you can get us on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com as well. And we're also on Facebook. You can find us just by searching to up front. Please like that page. We've actually been getting a lot of yeah. likes recently, so I mm-hmm. want to thank everybody for that. We're we're about 140 away from 500, so we'd, love to, we'd love to hit 500, I'd say, um, middle of next month. Before Copa America. There Let's we go, before happen. Copa America. So if you've got friends out there that haven't listened to the show or do listen to the show but haven't ever liked their page, have mm. them go there. You can also follow us on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. Of course, of course, our own Twitter handles at Simon Proven and at Baxter Colburn. Because really, where else can you find such fantastic, articulate, exciting hosts like Simon and I? <laughs> At 1 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, if you do want to listen to the show live, you can also find us here on Spreaker.com on Wednesdays from 1 to about 2.15, 2.30 p.m. Central Time as well. So you can listen to that and if you don't have time to get it on Thursday nights. All right, Simon, a very interesting article that I wanted to make mention of is something that ESPN FC uh, has now done for the second year in a row. They uh, pull 100 and I believe it's 23 MLS players Secretly, it's anonymously done so that nobody knows who the answers are aside from ESPN, obviously. But um, they ask them who they think some of the most overrated and underrated players and pricing and stars are in the league. But then they also ask them a bunch of different questions about the salary concerns, promotion, relegation, Premier League chances. A lot of things that us as MLS fans and just American soccer fans hash out in our, you know, at the local pub or on a Friday night with the boys saying, you know, I bet you that Galaxy could beat West Ham United. Well, yeah, maybe not this year. Last year, maybe. But things like that. And they actually, they've been doing this for the last two years. And it's really stirred a little bit of controversy, not necessarily controversy, but interesting talking points. Yeah, it's 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 cool that they do this. And it's cool that players actually participate. I imagine there's a wide range of of starters taking place in this, some of the superstars taking place in this, all, the way, so. all, all the way down to probably some of these uh, roster players who really don't see the field much. Because mm-hmm. you can sense there's some bitterness in some of these answers. Yes. Um, rightfully so, especially when you're talking about the uh, the, the pay rate, the salaries. You know, you can see a little a, bit more. We're excited well, to speak about that one. Well, and you got a player that's making $60,000 playing alongside a, mm-hmm. uh, D- David Villa who's making $8 million a year. That's... That that does breed contempt. It does. <laughs> and that's that's the hard part about it. And I'm curious, because we want to walk through each of the questions and then give both of our answers about it. Sure. Um, we'll tell you what they said. We'll, we'll tell you what ours... We'll call it like an elongated 50-50 Basically today. is what we wanted to go for, because 45 seconds, it would be very hard to actually voice our opinions about this. And we're curious to know what you guys think about this, too. Remember, since we are, if you are listening live, you can let us know what your thoughts are um, on Twitter as well, as you mentioned, to Upfront Soccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. If you're actually 
listening as well on Spreaker. You, there's actually like a chat comment section as well. You can comment and talk to the show live as well there. I can message you back and forth as well. So if you so choose to go that route. Anyway, so the first question that they asked is, is the standard of pay in, or standard play. of play in MLS getting better or worse? 99% said better. 1% said worse. I really want to know who that one person was that was like, nah, it's not. Well, it would be a couple of people because it was 123 players they polled. True. So maybe two or three, whatever the math is there. You have a, you have a favorite quote, though. From I this. do. There, there is definitely a Bruce Arena disciple amongst the players in MLS. <laughs> There's not that many left, though. Well, well, Bruce is still coaching, though. So this, this may be a Galaxy player that mentioned True. this. But uh, Bruce Arena has been known for saying that his 1998 D.C. United team is still the best team that ever played in MLS. And I'll tell you what, I watched that team play. Mm-hmm. That's the team that won the Intercontinental Cup. They beat Vasco da Gama from South True. America for that. Um, I, 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 I don't disagree with that comment at all. That was a fun team to watch. Jaime Moreno, mm-hmm. Marco Echeverri, Tony Sano was on the yeah, team. Those are some uh, great guys. Right. I think Jesse Marsh may have been on the team then as well. So it was, it was fun to watch a couple of guys that my brother Steve played with, uh, Sean Medved and another guy. Um, Somebody important, uh, I'm sure. Right. Well, John Harks was on the team as well. Oh, sure. Anyways, so one of the players said, I'm not sure the 11 starting players in the field are better than some of those D.C. United teams mm. that were really good early on. I think the younger players are better today, though. And you know what? I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, especially that point about the younger players. Oh, I would agree. I, I think we're seeing younger players. Well, and we're seeing somebody like Giovinco, yeah. who's in his prime, coming over as well internationally. Granted, there's there's plenty of plenty of guys that live up to the retirement league status that MLS has on, in, exactly. some, in some people's eyes, but definitely the younger players are getting much better. And I think that would be were. a big thing that I would notice, too, since I started watching in the early 2000s fairly consistently. I mean, I've gotten better over the years too now, especially since we covered the league, but it's interesting to see how originally when MLS games are on, I'd be like, oh, okay, MLS games are on. Well, eh, I guess, sure, I'll watch a little bit, and then usually after 15 or 20 minutes, be like, all right, this is boring, I'm going to turn it off, let's do something else, go outside, play soccer. But now it's like, oh, there's a game on, okay, I actually want to see what's going on, and it's actually interesting, regardless if you have any ties to the league at all, or even ties to those specific teams playing. Like that Vancouver-Montreal game that I watched a couple of weeks ago, I have no ties to either of those games, like, or those teams. Like, sure, do I enjoy Vancouver? Sure, do I enjoy Montreal? Yes, but I'm a New England Revolution fan. I wasn't really cheering for either team, but I found myself roped into that game because of the fast-paced ability of it, because of how I was like, wow, there's actually really, really good soccer being played here, and I want to watch this game. Right, right. And along with that, you look at the millions of dollars MLS is pouring into its youth academies now. Yeah. It's starting to pay off. It's about time. You know, it's funny. I don't know why why this happened for me, but I remember 2006 being an, an incredibly entertaining year in MLS. Hmm. And then a few years after that, there was this this big dip. For me, when you're talking about these neutral games yeah. that were going on, um, 2006, I think it was one of the first years that MLS was paying rights fees or uh, ESPN was paying rights fees to MLS to air the games. Okay. Um, I just remember that being a year where every single game I wanted to tune into because mm. they were they were it was good soccer being played. Um, and I feel like we're we're back to that place with MLS where, like you said, there's these neutral games. You know, part of the reason I watch more games now is because we do cover the league, but. I'm enjoying it. It's 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 not an obligation for me. It's I was going to say, I, and that's the difference, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, I get it's disappointed not, if i got to miss a game. Exactly, and I think that was how it was a little bit, too. Um, not to dog on the women's game, too, for a little bit right away when the NWSL came out, and I was doing some writing and such, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll check out the, the women's league. And for a little while, I was like... It's really not that enjoyable to watch, you right. know? I mean, and women's, I mean, that was maybe just because of being 
playing you know, men's soccer all my life, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got to watch women's soccer a little bit, and I'm like, eh, just man. just admit it, but Baxter, you're you're a chauvinist. That's all it comes down to. <laughs> ah, that's what it comes down to. But I mean, it really <laughs> no, you're has right. though. You're, it has changed right. a lot though, and I'm like, oh, I will willingly tune in though, regardless of who any of the teams are, because there's such a smaller amount of teams, but all the teams are good. Yes, in some yeah. facet. And it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, some players are concerned about talent being diluted as the league continues to expand. You certainly don't have that in the women's game. If anything, you've got a plethora of talent on these nine teams in the mm-hmm. NWSL that, that makes every game so exciting to watch. Oh, yeah. So what was the next question, Simon? Does United States head coach Jurgen Klinsmann give MLS players a fair chance? 65% said yes, 35% said no. And what do you say, Simon? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, and, and then there's it, Simon's it's, that. It's not, it's not even so much that he doesn't give MLS players a fair chance, but I think uh, you know Benny Philhaber is a strong argument to sure. say that, look, here's a guy that's playing top of the game, best midfield in the league arguably last year and he doesn't get called up again but but it's more of the double standard he has with mm-hmm. what he expects from his players in Europe you know he says he says to everybody he says you know in this grand scheme of things that you've got to be playing you've got to be starting if you're not starting I'm not calling you in mm-hmm. yet he brings a Julian Green into a hey, world man, cup that's team that's a quality player that is playing in the fourth division he's tearing it up though uh, honestly, though, he is. He's actually doing really well. In, in the, the Bundesliga? Yeah, in the fourth division. In the fourth division. Yeah. Yes, right, right, right. So uh, I wouldn't consider the Regaliana, whatever it's called in uh, <laughs> the, the fourth, the fourth oh, division. Oh, I was like, in, the what? In, in, the, uh, in, in German soccer. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jermaine Jones. Granted, he's playing in MLS, but he's not playing, but yet he keeps getting called up. So there is this favoritism towards a, the German... I have nothing against the German-Americans coming in. No. I mean, Jonathan Brooks... Awesome, you know he he he. He's a very good young defender. Red, white, and blue. He does. So I don't want anybody to take this as me being a, a xenophobe or anything like that. But there is clear favoritism given to the German Americans. They yes. can, they can be playing less and still get called up. Mm-hmm. Versus, and even some of these players. Look at Jeff Cameron. He's been starting for Stoke, or he yep. was starting for Stoke, and still not getting called up to the national yeah. team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. I think it's, I think Jurgen Klinsmann day one when he walked in, he grabbed his little posse of guys. He grabbed Clint, he grabbed Michael, he grabbed Landon for a little while there, and Josie, and a couple of those other guys, and a couple of German-Americans, brought him into a back room and said, look, this is what's going to happen. This is kind of how I'm feeling, regardless of what's going to happen. I'm new to this team. You know, I don't know much about it. I'm going to lean heavily on you guys. You're going to have to try to bail me out at times, whatever. And I think he still has a fairly good relationship with some of those guys. But you do wonder, and us folks who follow MLS closer, it's like, Josie Altador's not playing well. Why are you calling Josie right. up or Clint Dempsey? I mean, I get the Clint That's Dempsey true. That's, that is a great effect. Point. But I, I feel like at times it's the, hey, we had this understanding in the beginning you know, you help me out, I'll help you out, you know, kind of thing, regardless if that's really what happened or not. But from an outsider's perspective, it seems like no matter how good or bad they're doing, if they're starting or if they're not starting, there's those, like, core group of, like, eight or nine players right. that you can always bet. And I understand consistency that we always preach. you got to call in the same players, Jurgen. you got to, you know, be consistent with who you're calling in. But at the same time, be consistent with the quality of players that you're bringing in as well, not the, oh, they're just the name. Well, that's great that Michael Bradley can ping a ball 80 yards or whatever. That's great, but is he actually doing well? Right. You know? uh, on a side note, pretty exciting news that yes. uh, Borussia Dortmund did announce that Klinsman has called in Christian Pul- uh, Pulisic. Pulisic. Thank you. Pulisic uh, may not play the first 
World Cup qualifier game coming up, but he may play in the second. Oh, okay. I heard that, yeah, he would probably be playing Columbus right. if, they did, right. if they did use him. So that would be exciting and, for him. And though. a journalist did ask Klinsman, you know, are you, are you really expecting that he might actually play? And Klinsman said he wouldn't be here if I wasn't expecting him to play. You know. True. And it's the what's exciting about that is that would get him cap tied to the US. And if you haven't seen this kid play, you gotta tune into a seventeen? Seventeen years old. Seventeen, yeah. yeah. Yep. And that was the original thing too, is some folks were saying, Well, why isn't he called up to the U twenty threes? And that was one folks Well that right, uh Yedlin wasn't called up to the U twenty threes, he was called up to the full team. Uh there was another player as well that I I can't think uh, of. John Brooks one. wasn't called to the U twenty threes. Right. Yeah, right. Brooks and Yedlin were one called to the U23s because they feel, and I there was an interview that uh, Andy Herzog did with Extra Time Radio at MLSsoccer.com, and he was saying, he's like, well, yes, obviously, if they're available for the second leg, we, we might use them. Right. He's like, but right. they're playing at such a high level, and he and Jurgen have such a good relationship. He's like, I felt like they were needed more for the national, the senior national team, which is obviously where we want our players to go. So if they can do a good thing there, obviously I want them to go do that. And that's a good segue into the next question. Should MLS continue during international breaks? Yes. Uh, 8% said yes. 92% said no. You say yes. Well, I, yes to an extent because I feel like the league is big enough that they can continue on. And I and that's great that you see these articles come out on MLSsoccer.com where it's like, hey, you know, 65 MLSers called up to the league or whatever called up to the league. Which is fantastic. Called up to their teams. Called up to their teams, yeah. Called up to their teams accordingly or whatever, Like some, depending on when the breaks are accordingly. So like for this last one, I think there was only like 20-some across all teams that were called up. So the league continues to expand. There's still plenty of players. There's still plenty of teams that I understand the, the quality of play might dip a little bit for maybe whatever the break is, two weeks or so, sometimes mm-hmm, what it comes right. up being. Realistically, if the league wants to do it, maybe only play one or two games during those two weeks. Don't back heavy, you know, three or four whatever games during that time and be like, look, just plan out your schedule accordingly. Say, look, yeah, we can still continue to play because it's money for the league, which is great. More experience for some of those younger players that might not see the first team, but that gives first team coaches an opportunity to be like, oh, look, my guy that, you know, is sometimes a late sub or doesn't get to play a lot in the reserves, I'm going to give him a chance to start now against a. team like maybe like RSL who doesn't lose a lot of their guys out or even a team like New England who doesn't lose a lot of their guys out who's still fairly good you know when they've got their full squad out there I'm curious to know what they can do now so it's only one or two games but it gives them a better opportunity and well I feel like keep going with it I'm on the opposite side I say uh should no it should not continue I was I was re-looking at the question they're going wait a second did I read that right yeah. in my head no I, I don't I don't think it's worth playing during the breaks because even what you're saying is a lot of these ti- a lot of these teams aren't going to have their starters anymore sure um, so even if you're giving your younger player more time during these breaks it's essentially going to be just a reserve game anyway so depending it's, on it's, the team right but for the most part most of these teams are I mean if you mm-hmm. got 65 players being called up to national teams sure. you really got 24 or 20, 20 teams, teams in yeah. the league. That's at least, you know, averages out to over three players a, a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, the league is strong enough where it doesn't need to continue. It used to continue because it basically didn't want to be forgotten about yes. in those two weeks. And it already does, it doesn't completely take a break like we see this weekend. There's only three games being played. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't have a problem. I don't have a problem with them taking a break because I also think it's when you're considering the playoffs. The competitive advantage some teams could get out of that by continuing to play while other teams don't play. The team that doesn't play, maybe they've got injuries, now they're going to get healed. Uh, the team that does play, 
maybe the team that they're playing is going to be far weaker because of these call-ups, and then they basically get a quote-unquote unfair win, mm. an unfair three points. That Hey, that could have huge... Sure. ramifications come playoff time. That is true, yeah. I mean, it all depends on when the breaks are as well. Like, at this time in the season, they're going to, you know, continue to play on. It's, you know, it's a short weekend. You know, it's, you're three weeks into the regular season. You know, and I understand, you know, like a win or a loss now might be, you know, important or not. But at the same time, you've only played three games. It's not going to completely bury your season if you win or lose for week four of the season. No, and that's something that, that, that I still have an issue with. I don't think... 12 teams should be making the playoffs at most. No, 10, no, not at all. You know? yeah. At most 10, but I'd prefer it be eight. Top no. four in each conference. No, That's I agree it. with you on that one. I found it interesting, too. So, well, I was going to say, so that when games this early in the season are being mm-hmm. played, they do mean something. That's true. That is very true. And I, I found it interesting, too. I, I play FIFA 16 a little bit every once in a while when I have free time, which doesn't happen very often. So, you know, last year when I played FIFA 16, no, it was this year, but I noticed that... Um, for MLS, they always, like they they try to keep the game as authentic as possible. But for MLS, they still only do the top five teams to go to the playoffs. They don't mm. do the top six teams, even though they yeah. they continue to change the game according to what MLS is doing. They still only do the top five teams, and I think maybe because the knockout rounds are a little confusing, or what it was, or maybe sure. the changes took place sure. after the game was made, or something of that nature. But I made that discovery the other day. I was like, oh, it still is only the top five teams, which is interesting. So, yeah. which is fine. I'd rather rather that. So uh, this next question is interesting, and I know we've already kind of continued to speak a little bit longer on some of these that we've wanted to, but we have some time today. So um, your commissioner for the day, what's the one thing you'd change about MLS? Right, the top one was salaries. I'm actually, if I was a player, I'd be focusing on what was second most popular, and that's free agency. Okay. And I'll explain why, because if you take care of free agency, you're basically also taking care of salaries. Mm -hmm. Because if it's true free agency, then there can be some bidding wars going on, which then is going to affect salaries of the entire league over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I don't think players are really looking at this in the best way. They're thinking just purely monetarily, Whereas I'm saying, hey, you can think monetarily, but also kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, that's Go, very true. And that's one thing I will say. Now, look, it, it's it's still a step in the right direction for how they got a little bit of free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be 28 years old and at least eight years yeah. of service to the league. But I still think the players should have held their ground with the free agency. I agree. Uh, because what they they by not holding their ground, it really weakened their argument now going forward mm-hmm. when the next CBA comes up in, I believe, uh, six is it, years. Is it 20, I think? In 20? Or no, it's in five, it was a five-year deal, so okay. it'll so be, yeah, in 20. be in four years, right? Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one to an extent. I also, and maybe this is just as a personal preference, I'd love a little bit more transparency with the rosters. I feel like that's a little ridiculous. Um, only 3% voted for that. I mean, as a player, it's, you see a different side of everything. But even just from someone that's just trying to cover the league... It's ridiculous. I'm still trying to figure out how the heck Colorado got to the top allocation spot and how even things the last couple of years, too, for certain players coming in and out and Drogba going from Chicago, and then all of a sudden he's at Montreal. And I'm like, but how? Did, what? Did, just no. I feel like you get rid of that. Right. And I feel like I feel like you get rid of the issues. And I, I like I like you said, that transparency, that free agency, that salary, just tie it all into one. And even say what you will about the NFL or the NBA or all those other, you know, whatever things that might be corrupt or too big or whatever, they do it right when it comes to that type of thing. Right. You know right. exactly what everybody's making. You know that anybody can go and get anybody at any time. Even the European clubs, 
you don't have to have free agency. It's like, hey, Simon plays for Borussia Dortmund. I want to go sign Simon. Okay, it's the transfer window. Simon, here's $20 million to right. come play for me. Right. Oh, okay, yep. sure. Simon wants to come play. Fantastic. Signed, done. No allocation I, order, the, no By the way, I would play for $20 million just in case anybody... <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. I, I, felt, I didn't want to try to undervalue you, so I'm glad you took $20 million on a four-year deal. So we'll, we'll go for that. Uh, but I, I would much rather at that, and that's the one thing that bothers me about the league, and I've come under heat from that for some folks. They're like, why do you follow MLS, especially in the offseason? They're like, nothing good ever happens because it's always the same, like four or five teams that get the players. <laughs> right. And right. then you always hear about these other teams that, like, you're know, signing these players, like, oh, signing uh, the third-tier Norwegian league or right. whatever. It's, it's like, the same what? four or five teams that get the players, and it's the Chicago Fire that always gets screwed Exactly. Over that's the household joke. <laughs> Chicago Fire always gets screwed. Oh, goodness. Are, All right. are MLS players currently being paid fairly? I don't think we need no. to spend much time on this. It's, no, it's not a at no. all. Yeah. 8% said not sure. Yeah. What are you not sure about? <laughs> How much money are you getting paid that you're not sure if you should feel bad about answering that? That was uh, Steven Gerrard that they asked. Probably. You know, like, that, that said mm, not sure. <laughs> I'm only making $6 million. But, I don't you know, know. Like one of the players says, it's. I think it's just hard to say that it's fair when you can be making $60,000 and a guy on your team is making $8 million. Yeah. You don't see that gap in other leagues. Now, I will say... That statement in and of itself is not necessarily the best of statements because sure. if you're worth $60,000 in a young league like this, you may be playing next to somebody like a David Villa or a Giovinco. Yeah. They've earned their time. Making World mil- Cup veterans, all that. At the same time, is Michael Bradley worth $6.5 a year? No. 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 Is, is Clint Dempsey worth whatever they're paying? Is $6.7 million or something, something like that? Something like that, yeah. No. Um, but at the same time... So that's that's the tough thing here is you got guys in this league. Now listen, I'd love to be playing professional soccer for sixty thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah, cool I'd love that. to just be making sixty thousand a year, regardless. But that's what what happens if if you're starting to say, you know what, we got to pay our players mm-hmm. more? These sixty thousand dollars players, yeah. maybe maybe now in the NASL because they're they're not worth that exactly. money. Well, you see that even in, in any other sports league too. But I mean, leagues like the NFL, their minimum wage is $500,000. Right. Like yeah. you will be yeah. you will never see the field, never do anything. Maybe you appear on special teams once a, once a game, you will still leave with $500,000 for the year. Right. And I get it, bigger league, bigger TV contracts, all that stuff, but setting maybe when you still hear about, you know, whoever, Von Miller making, you know, 100 and some million dollars and, you know, maybe the the other guys on the team are making whatever 20 and 15 and whatever. So I get it, it's different and they earn their contracts different ways in the NFL too, but the base minimum is still big enough that you will be just fine. That goes back to the CBA talk, as you mentioned. Would the would you leave MLS if you had a chance to play in a European league? Depends for me. Yeah, same here. Um, I'm not going to go play in Norway. Norway. I'm not going to go play in Sweden. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, if it's if it's still a first di- division league, I may still want to. You know, if if I if I know it's my one shot to play in Europe, I'd probably I'm, stay in I MLS. Might, I might do it. I might go. If I, it depends on who it is. If it's one of the big countries and maybe this is just me my millennial spot speaking where i only want the spotlight <laughs> showing my millennial right now pardon me uh, you know if it's england france germany italy you know especially for italy for me because i have heritage sure. ties to there i right. would definitely love to go play in italy but um if i'm getting offered some smaller country like if the austria first division says come play for us it'd be like i'd rather stay in mls just because i know mls is growing i know that i've got a better chance of you know still having a lot more interesting things happen here in mls and that's just the American side of me also sure, talking because sure. I can see what it's done. And the way I look at it, for as much as as much as I've been accused of being an MLS fanboy, I look at it as uh, <clears throat> part of it is 
I wish I could travel much more than I do, which is almost not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'd, I'd love to go experience a different culture. Sure. You know? I'm almost so, not against it. So but. whether it is a country in Scandinavia, whether it is Austria, whether mm-hmm. it is Belgium, uh, there's two things to that. One, it's going to give me the opportunity to play in another first division somewhere else. Yeah. Two, if I'm over in Europe, chances are better that I may be able to play in a bigger league. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the other flip side of this. I don't want to go to the Premier League and sit on the bench for 90 minutes every week. No. Just to say, hey, I played for Manchester City. Exactly. Did you actually play or did you just wear the jersey right. and hang out for right. 90 I'd, minutes I'd much every rather, week? I'd much rather be playing every week and, mm-hmm. and therefore I'd stay in MLS if that was the case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple other ones quickly we want to talk about. Do you favor pro promotion or relegation in MLS? We've heard Simon and I talk about this. 49% said yes. 51% yeah, said Yeah, and this no. actually flipped because it used to be uh, 64% were in favor of it. Yep. I, the playoffs to me are just... are. Just as exciting as promotion. I agree. Take away two of the teams that make the playoffs, or even four, as you mentioned, and just have a little bit more fun with it. Best way to determine a playoff champion or a champion is either playoffs or single table. 60% said playoffs, 40% said single table. Yeah, yeah. I I go back and forth on this. I think single table is. I don't like single table. But single table can be exciting. For the if top you four have teams. promotion yeah, and relegation, exactly, you know, uh, but I maybe this is me being an American. I have no problem. I love with the, the playoff system. Yeah. and you know what? It's nor, a very American. Nor thing. do the but nor do the Europeans. There's a thing called mm. Champions League. Oh, that's it's a, right. It's a playoff. <gasps> what? Yes, the Europeans doing playoffs. Stop. Simon. The World Cup is a playoff. Playoffs. The Euros, Copa America, FA, the Olympics, the FA Cup. Playoffs. All those, all the countries' cups. Those are all playoffs. So it's it's. And I get that what people are going to say is, well, no, but those are outside of the league, which I get. Yes. Um, I would love to see a Premier League playoffs, top eight teams make but, the playoffs. Right. But what happens with, with a single table, non-salary capped league is that's mm-hmm. just it. You've got four or five really mm-hmm. good teams. Now, granted, Leicester is an exception this year. But how but often how, does that yeah, happen? Once every blue moon that happens. Uh, does the signing of stars no longer in, the pri- in their prime hurt or help MLS development? 55% said they still helps MLS development. 21% says it hurts. 24 says it depends on the player. I'd agree with that. I agree. More so I, it depends on the player. It depends on the player. And this is this is a question I honestly don't think either of us can answer. we got to be in the trenches to really know. Mm-hmm. I'd you, agree. you got to be in the trenches to know yeah. the, the true answer to this question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was always the big advocate, too, for it's like, hey, a Drogba, somebody comes over. If I'm a young forward, I latch on to that person right. and say, you've done this, 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 and this in your career. Teach me. How can I be better? Like, and, and every player is different, you know. And some people view it like, oh, great, they're bringing in some old retired guy to take my starting job. Great, I'm obviously not valued. It all depends on your attitude towards it, yep. you know. Yep. Got to be willing to learn. Uh, what draws international players to MLS? Living in North America, money, growth of the league, quality of play, new experience. Fifty-three percent said living in North America. Yeah, it's interesting for me to see that uh, because I think again, this one for for the layman, I'm going to say, well, obviously it's they're cashing in on, on their last few years. Yeah. But then again, you've got somebody like Giovinco. He wasn't playing much at uh, I believe it was UV that he was playing at. Yep. Is that right? And he comes over and he's a star of the league. He's getting called up to the Italian national team. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, I think it was just a change of atmosphere and, and trying to regain his yeah. form. Um, but again, for me, I, these guys are talking to these guys every day. 
They're oh, gonna yeah. Have, they're going to have a better sense. So I honestly cannot answer this question. If I agree. No, I completely agree. Uh, will celebrity owners like David Beckham and Will Ferrell attract more big-name players to MLS? 72% said yes. Uh, 26 said no. 2% said it depends on the player owner. I mean, when it comes to Beckham and Will... I mean, more so Beckham than Will Ferrell. Right. Beckham's name carries a lot of weight in Europe regardless. And we've already heard that for his Miami team. They're going to be gunning big for... we've already. And I know it's just the English back papers talking, but we've heard Ronaldo rumors. We've heard Messi rumors. We've heard... Zlatan rumors, we've heard all those, but I guarantee you Beckham's got all the numbers for all those guys that he can give them a ring oh, and yeah. say, hey, I've got all this money, I have a new franchise, it's Miami. And that's another good point they made, European players love Miami. Right, well, it's funny because I bet you those guys know more about what's going on with mm-hmm. Miami MLS than any of us do. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly, it's like, hey, we should just start they probably, the- they probably know what's going on in Miami better mm-hmm. than the current MLS players do. Probably, which is the best part about it. Now you love this next bit real fast. Of course I, I do. Why is that? Why do you love it? Which MLS stadium has the best, most intimidating atmosphere? Yes, Seattle gets an awesome 40,000 people to their games, mm-hmm. it's fantastic, but there is nothing like... And it is, it's smaller. I know Seattle fans like to say it's a high school stadium. It seats 21,000 Portland Timbers at Providence. You're playing Park. in an NFL stadium. Doesn't count. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Doesn't count. Yeah, Portland get 42%. Kansas City gets 28 That would actually surprise me, Kansas City. I mean, those games are fun to watch. The mm-hmm. crowd's fun to watch when you're watching a Kansas City game. Yeah. But that one, I still say that one 3% for a Red Bulls arena. That doesn't seem like an intimidating place. Is MLS expansion positive or negative? 80% said positive. Uh, can MLS win the CONCACAF Champions League without spending more money on players? 75% said yes. That surprised me. That did surprise me as well. Well, you know what, helps, what would help it even more is just trying to find a... a, a a mutual time to mm-hmm. schedule the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals. Nice. I agree with you on that one. And then the last question, where would the best MLS team finish in the Premier League? One through four had 0%, five through nine had 17%, 50% said 10 through 14, and then 33% said that they'd be battling the relegation zone. Yeah, I think most clubs would be mid-table, but then you got teams like DC United who couldn't score a but goal. But the 98 the DC United. The, well... Hey, I'll tell you what. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I think I think I think people are ridiculous who say you know that MLS teams would just get totally mm-hmm. wiped out in the Premier League. Agreed. They're they're they better than that. I would say they could be mid-table clubs. I'd agree with you on that one. All right, we're going to run to a break when we come back. Sam Mewis is here. She's going to chat with us about the upcoming NWSL season and our women's soccer spotlight. You're not going to miss the interview. We'll be back with more right after this on Two Upfront. by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, it's time to chat a little bit about the women's game, and we have a fantastic opportunity to speak with Western New York Flash midfielder and U.S. Women's National Team midfielder Samantha Mewis this afternoon. Sam, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Hi, guys. How 
guys, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Now, we need to get the formalities out of the way right away, Sam. Is it Samantha or is it Sam? That way we don't uh, mix things up here the rest of the, sh- the broadcast. Sam is great. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Well, Sam, we are excited to have you here on the broadcast, and uh, we know that the Western New York Flash are a uh, fairly highly acclaimed team in the NWSL, and we're, we're curious to know your thoughts about the upcoming season for the team. Yeah, um, so I'm super excited. I just got here on Wednesday, and we got right into preseason, and um, a couple, most of the team has been here a couple of days longer than me, but um, we have a new coach, Paul Riley, who came from Portland, and um, we have a, a lot of new players who have been on different teams in the league or who are rookies, and um, I think it's like a complete turnaround from last year. I think there's a lot of new faces and a lot of people who are going to have new ideas and new things to contribute to the team, and I'm just really excited. I think we have a great opportunity in front of us to uh, do something really special this season, and um, it's it's great, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, you talk about having a guy like Coach Paul Riley on your team now. That's uh, certainly a name that carries some heavy weight in uh, the soccer nation, especially when everything he did with Portland as well. And uh, having him come to uh, the Western New York Flash certainly raises uh, some eyes and some eyebrows, saying, oh, well, this should be a, a pretty good team this year. Uh, yeah, we had a chance to speak with uh, your teammate, Adriana Leone, last week, actually. And uh, she was uh, very complimentary of the team and uh, how everything is starting to look going forward. Now, with, with preseason and everything taking place, uh, I've heard that you guys have two days and stuff coming up fairly soon too. So, uh, is, how's your how's your body feeling? You had off season. Now you're moving towards that. Uh, is everything seeming like it's moving forward in a, a proper direction for you? Yeah, um, it's been an interesting off season for me with all the things I've had going on with the national team. So I came in a couple of days late, and um, I feel I feel good going forward. I think uh, I came in and we had a couple two days. We had some fitness testing and we scrimmaged against West Virginia. So. Um, my body's feeling good, and we we have a day off today, which was which was really nice, I think, for everybody who had a long week last week. But um, I think, yeah, the communication between the players and the coaches concerning our bodies and uh, the physicality of all this in preseason and all the hard work we have to put in is going to be super important. But um, Paul and the rest of the coaching staff seem really open to listening to how we feel, and we're starting to implement some new uh, techniques and ways to communicate that and ways to make sure that we're staying on top of everything um, so that we can avoid injury and things like that. So um, I'm feeling good, and I'm really excited about about going forward and getting my body in the best position possible to perform. Yeah, speaking of the national team, Sam, you uh, you know what a what a great way to prepare for the upcoming NWSL season by playing in the She Believes Cup, playing against some of the top teams in the world. Um, so you got a couple of goals under your belt now. I'm just curious whether the pressure to contribute right away starts to go away now, or, or do you always feel some pressure when you're out there putting on the uh, red, white, and blue? Yeah, I mean, playing at such a high level and representing your country, I mean, it's such a it's such a huge honor, and um, I'm still pretty young to be doing that, and um, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and, of course, always wanting to contribute and wanting to feel like you belong out there and wanting to feel like you've earned – um, this opportunity to play for the USA. And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's scoring a couple goals has been so great and super exciting for me. And I hope that I can continue to do that. I, I want to impact the team as much as possible and I want to contribute as much as I possibly can. And um, there's always going to be this like nagging need to, to contribute to the team and you always have to earn your place. And um, I don't think that's ever really going to go away. It kind of just makes you want more in it it um, like revalidates the fact that you're there and, and that you want to keep being there. So it's been super exciting and great for me, and um, 
I hope that I can continue to get opportunities to play with the national team. Talking with Samantha Mewis here on two up front, uh, U.S. international and Western New York flash attacker. Now, Sam, you mentioned uh, the fact that uh, even as, as good as you and other ladies might be on the team, uh, the upcoming tournament is the Olympics, and we're going to even see some ladies that were part of the uh, World Cup team, which, as we all know, won the World Cup and was incredibly successful, not make that roster, which is kind of surprising, but with the World Cup, it's a smaller roster, and as you mentioned, it's that tighter competition uh, do you have an, a general idea yet, or has uh, Coach Ellis at all even hinted that you uh, are in consideration to go down to Rio? Uh, no, I really have no idea. I mean, I hope, obviously, and um, I'm doing everything in my power to put myself in a position that I'm available for selection, but um, I really don't know, and I it would be like such a dream come true to even be considered to go, so I'm just really trying to keep my body healthy and perform as best I can at every opportunity that I get so that I might be considered to, to be a part of that roster. Uh, speaking of that roster as well, you have a sister that plays in the league, um, has spent some time as well with you in the red, white, and blue. Do you two, uh, you know, have a little off-the-field uh, off competition going with each other all the time or, or obviously trying to make each other better to, to uh, get called up to the national team? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a really unique situation to have two sisters who, who get to play professional soccer in the same league. And, um, I think like I'm Christy's biggest fan and I think that she's my biggest fan. And, um, it's so cool that, I mean, I get to play against her when she plays for the breakers and, uh, she gets to come here and play against us. And I just think we make each other better all the time. We're very supportive of each other. And I think that growing up, yeah, we were pretty competitive. I was always comparing myself to her and always, following in her shoes and um i think that that's put us both in a really really great situation and um i look up to her so much i like aspire to be like her still to this day and i just i really think that um her influence on me has made a big impact on on why i am where i am and i just think it's great that um we're both able to pursue something that we've wanted to do since we were little kids yeah i've got i've got three older brothers who uh Back in the back in the pre MLS days, uh, even a little bit into it, had all played together on the same professional soccer team back in the um, uh, A League days when we used to have that league. So it, it was fun for me to sit there and watch the three of them play together. So I know I know how cool that can be, and it's uh, you know yeah. it's 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 great too to have these these younger girls who may have sisters as well as to see them push each mm-hmm. other in a healthy way, and that they've got they've got the Mua sisters to look up to. So that's that's really great. I think Baxter's got a question for you here. Turn exactly, yeah. No, it's definitely cool to see that. I know a lot of fe- folks from where I am down in Florida as well, uh, a lot of sisters that play together and have really uh, helped make each other continue to grow. Now, I'm curious, yeah. uh, Sam, since you are an attacking player and uh, you've appeared eight times for the senior national team, you scored two goals in eight games, which is not a bad ratio to start off your career. That first goal that you scored, though, for the United States, that very first time that you scored for the senior national team, I understand the game was kind of pretty far gone. You won the game 10-0, but you still, it was your first goal. What was what was that feeling when you when you capitalized on that chance? Yeah, um, it, I mean, it was really exciting, obviously. I think, um, as you said, like, we were already kind of winning 9 to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, had actually, I had actually just missed what some people would call a sitter, I, like, blew one over the over the top of the goal by, like, 30 yards from Ooh. pretty much, like, the PK spot. So that I mean, it was pretty bad. We've all done it. It's okay. <laughs> I know, but I was kind of kicking myself about that, and in my head was just, like, there's only a couple seconds left. I mean, like, we might as well. So I kind of took off and yeah. shot, and, and it went in, and, I mean, it was so exciting. Like, I 
like obviously wouldn't change a thing and it was really really cool and um kind of funny how excited my teammates were for me when we had clearly kind of already won the game so um it was it's like a great memory to have I mean it's kind of a funny story and um, <laughs> just obviously really cool and something I I had wanted for a really long time and, yeah uh, yeah it was great it was really exciting you know Sam you've racked up quite uh, a lot of accomplishments, especially you know, just looking at uh, your bio here in 2014, named All Pac-12 team each year of your college career. You named a finalist for the 2014 Mac Herman Trophy Award, ESPNW's National Player of the Year, uh, All-American, First Team All Pacific Region. It, the list just goes on and on and on. And then you're picked number four overall in 2015, which you know, I'm sure that's an honor in an honor in and of itself. Do you have a favorite moment from your college days or a favorite moment from your first year in the NWSL that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, yeah, I so UCLA, I mean, was, uh, like, unbelievable for me. It was just an all-around great fit, and um, I have some of my favorite memories. I made some lifelong friends there, but my junior year in 2013, we won the national championship, and um, I – yeah, I mean, it's kind of indescribable, but it was it's just something that so few people get to do. And um, one of those things I'll never forget, just celebrating with my teammates and something that we had worked so hard for and been through so much and um, just winning that game and, and knowing that we really like deserved that and that and that we had done it together was a really special memory for me and something I'll never forget. No, well, I know. Seeing videos of uh, post after you guys winning, I know Sydney LaRue still holds you a little jealous about that. She's like, of course you guys waited till after I graduated to finally win a national championship. But hey, a national championship is still a national championship. And UCLA, as we know, is one of those those top prospect schools that uh, has produced a lot of fantastic professional players. Uh, looking of, looking ahead now, Sam, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, you've, you've gotten some time with the national team. You've got the upcoming NWSL season as well. Uh, is there any team that you've got coming up this season or maybe uh, another player and another team that you're looking to really do battle with at all during uh, during your time in the league this upcoming season? Um, I'm, like, I'm really excited to play against everybody. I feel like I have either a friend from school or a friend from the national team or um, uh, my sister on the Breakers, and one of my best friends also plays on the Breakers, Steph McCaffrey. So I'm really looking forward to playing against Boston. I think we, we play them in May, I think. Um but, I mean, it's it's always really exciting to play any team. It's it's fun to travel to Portland and to play there in that great environment. And um, we play Kansas City our first game, April 16th, who are the defending champions of the league from last year. And mm-hmm. um, every team really has, like, a new challenge that they bring us. And um, every time we travel is a new opportunity to see how other teams, like, run their program. And I just think all of it is great and it's such a fun experience for me and something that um, I hope this year more people get on board with. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned, though, too, with this upcoming league, I mean, it's really exciting, and you've got some big challenges right off the gate as well. Right, uh, yeah. which, again, you've accomplished many big challenges. In, you know, you've been part of the U.S. Uh, US national team program all the way back to the U-17 days for yourself. Um, you have any players that you looked up to when you were younger and, and uh, you know, still take things from them and try to add into your game at all? Yeah, I mean, when you think about those, um, that, like, 99 uh, Women's World Cup team, and you think about, like, Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy and Michelle Akers and th- that um, mentality that they had, it was this never-say-die, uh, we're-going-to-win-no-matter-what mentality. And I remember watching that 99 World Cup and obviously all the World Cups and Olympics 
since then. But I think that, that group of women, I mean, I had a poster of Mia Hamm on my wall growing up. And um, as I got a little bit older, Abby Wambach and Carly Lloyd and all the girls that are on the team now. So it's crazy for me to go and train with them and get to kind of feel like I'm, I'm a part of their team now. And um, I look up to all of them so much and everything that they've done for the game. And um, I obviously try to be try to emulate what they do every day and it's uh something i'm gonna have to work at for a long time i think so um all these women on the national team are like great role models and great people do you still have those posters on your wall now (laughs) (laughs) um no my parents repainted my room oh okay (laughs) uh, the posters aren't there anymore Did you? I'm assuming now, in your travels with the U, with the U.S. national team, you probably had an opportunity to meet some of those ladies, as you mentioned, that um, were either from that World Cup team or you know are still probably around the team at all. Was there a, a mixture of professionalism but also fangirlness as well when you got to to meet people like? Oh my know? gosh! Even <laughs> still, I like posted this on my Instagram the other day. I my jersey was hanging up next to Becky Sauerbrunn. Um, oh wow! In the locker room, and I wrote on my Instagram, I was like, I am on this team like for this game but i still feel like a fan and yeah it's an honor to see my name next to hers like i don't feel like it belongs there yet it's she's so like such an incredible player in person and like so iconic for our sport in our country that um i feel like i need to earn that and mm. I, of course i mean i've worked really hard for it and um i think that someday i'll really feel like i belong there but right now like i'm i'm really still just trying to keep up with them in practice and um it, that's such a challenge and it's such an honor and it's really really cool for me as as a player and as a fan well that's obvious though too and i can tell just through our conversation you seem like a very genuine person and it's obvious that you have a level of d- drive and desire to be the best that you can but you also have a nice level of respect as well and you're like look i know you ladies have worked really hard ahead of me and i'm gonna do the best i can to be here but i also know that i can you know maybe go out there and kick some butt too if i need to which is it's mm-hmm. awesome that you have this great fine balance between the two teams so all right samuel we really appreciate you taking some time today out of your busy schedule it's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you so thank you for taking time here on two up front this afternoon awesome thank you guys so much you are very welcome thank you sam good Bye. luck this season that is Samantha Mewis from the Western New York Flash and U.S. Women's International Team. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action here on 2 Up Front. Stay right here and don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. Fantastic chance getting to speak with Samantha Mewis of the Western New York Flash and U.S. Women's National Team. Great gal. She seemed very full of life and very peppy, and it was great to, great to chat with her about that. And definitely going to be keeping an eye on how her and the, the Flash do this season as well. And somebody we'll be talking to, hopefully again later on in the season. You know, it was great when she was talking about that 99 World Cup win. It just sent me in a flashback. I was in a hotel room in Las Vegas. <laughs> With uh, my recent <laughs> Oh, now i got to remember, was I married at the time or not? I can't remember what year that was. I can't How remember How many what stories year start was. with I was in a hotel uh, room right, Yeah, Austin. exactly. That's why I'm trying to clarify this. Uh, <laughs> it was a trip with my parents, all right, folks? Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything was clean. But no, that's that's where I watched that final was in, uh, okay. was in Las Vegas, and it was during a freak fire, or not firestorm, oh my rain, rainstorm out there. <laughs> Listen, we're from Wisconsin. You're not helping yourself. (laughs) We're from Wisconsin. So, of course, we get snowstorms, Mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, it was predicted that we were going to get 6 to 10 inches of snow today. It's not going to happen. It's raining. But it's, well, it's supposed to turn to snow. But anyways, here was the funny thing is, right, it's it's during a rainstorm in Las Vegas, and there was one or two times where they cut into the game because there is going to be two to three inches of rain today in Las Vegas. Oh, no. Shut now, down the I realize city. if anybody out there is listening from Vegas, uh, first of all, don't ever go with my picks for uh, MLS <laughs> and, and put money on them. But second of all, uh, I get that the sewer system at that time couldn't handle that True. kind of rain. But it was it was just rather funny that here I am watching the Women's <laughs> World Cup game, the championship game, oh. and uh, Las Vegas is freaking out over one to two inches, maybe three inches of rain. Yeah, that's Vegas for you. All right. So speaking of uh, freaking out, uh, some World Cup qualifiers <laughs> and some, uh, some, yeah, World Cup and Olympic qualifiers are right. taking place this weekend. Uh, you've got the U23 men's U.S. national team players going at it against uh, the Colombian U23s for the Olympic qualifiers. They're in a two-game playoff, and then you've got the men's senior national team taking on Guatemala and the first of two legs down in Guatemala and you also have our brothers to the north and friends to the south will be nice to them Canada taking on Mexico as well which is an interesting game and I'd I'd be curious just as a a super side note to just know the history between Canada and Mexico because the U.S. is kind of that big brother that hangs out in the middle Sure. Of everybody. Yeah. And I'd just be curious to be like, when Canada and Mexico play each other, I know it's not the same as USA and Mexico, but they're still, they still share a continent. They still have to go through each other almost right. every year for qualifying. I'd just be curious to know what a Canadian or a Mexican player's thoughts would be like, you're playing this team. How do you feel about yeah, it? Yeah, well, you know what? If we had the ability for people to call into the show, that would be, hmm. a, that would be an interesting How call interesting. segment. Or, I mean, for social media, too. They can also do there it that way. There you go. Interesting, interesting. Anyway. So what are your thoughts about these upcoming games that we've got this weekend, especially for the U.S., Simon? Well, for Guatemala, let me start there. This is these, this is an enormous couple of games for their World Cup hopes. Yes. They've never been to the World Cup. They came close to the Intercontinental Intercontinental Playoff. Is that right? Intercontinental play- No, Intercontinental Playoff sure. spot in uh, 2006. You know, it's, but it's, it's a little <sighs> difficult for Guatemala when you hear that they're still calling up somebody like Carlos Ruiz as hey, one man. of their best players. But now, one of the players that they do have is Marco Papa. He, sure. is, he is still a fantastic player. He had a great game for Colorado this past week. He's had two weekend. good games the last couple of weeks. He has. Um, these games are important for the U.S. in that if they can win both of these, which I don't know if they're going to win down in Guatemala, no, but I'm pretty confident I... they'll win in Columbus. 
Um, but if yeah. if if they win both these games, they're pretty much on their way to the hex, the the final yes. six. So which would be huge because then they've got Copa Centroamerica coming up. Yes, that they can they can focus on Copa that. America. Yes, right. so it'll be an interesting tournament to see how they do for that. I have a hard time anytime the United States goes to a small country to play any sort of meaningful game, and I know they've done well in, at times down in those small you know, whatever, basically looks like a my old high school field mm-hmm. from where they play at times. But uh, I have a hard time getting behind them going to Guatemala, personally, and down to Colombia as well. When you so, say a hard time getting behind them, what do you mean by that? Like, going with the fact that I think they're going to win. Oh, right. Well, it's th- and that's the thing, that uh, people outside of CONCACAF don't get that. These are difficult places to win in because of the conditions. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the quality of play. It really does. Right, the U.S. Right. is far superior than to Guatemala. Now that said, right, that's I was going to say that said the USA are unbeaten in 21 matches against Guatemala, yes. which is their uh, longest current unbeaten streak against any. So they're due for a loss. <laughs> well, that's and the U.S. Scary thing. and U.S. soccer terminology. They're due for a loss. So I don't know if we want to throw out a prediction. I'm sure. I'm going. That's I'm part gonna, of our prediction. I this think week. it's going to be a, a low, a low scoring affair. Okay. Myself. Do you think uh, there's going to be a victor? Or do you think it's going to be a draw? I, I'm going to go USA. Okay. Two to one. Interesting. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I want the U.S. to win. I'm American pride. I want this to be, you know, World Cup qualifying. This is huge. This is very important for us. However, like I said, I just have a hard time. I can see this being like a, a U.S. scores early game and Guatemala steals a goal at the end and they end up with a draw. So for, for the first time this year, I'm going to pick a draw. Well, I, I'm not going to argue much with that. Uh, looking at a couple sites, that's actually a very popular pick. Mm-hmm. But you know me. I don't like to go with the traditional type of of pick. Um, if Guatemala loses both these games, by the way, they're pretty much sure they're done. What if they draw both games? What happens? Everybody's alive. In Group C in, in CONCACAF. Mm, interesting. Everybody's alive. Well, except for, uh, who is it, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. They're, ah. they're pretty much toast. They're they're getting destroyed by everybody. Fair enough. Uh, so Guatemala is on a uh, three-win-out-of-five-game streak, I guess you could yeah. say. But guess what? So is the U.S. Exactly. I'm, I'm always curious to see what happens with stuff like this. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. You keep trying to jump. No, but no, I was no, going to no, no. ask you if you have any thoughts on players called up. or. Well, Realistically, I feel like it's good that we've got some a good mixture of younger and older guys. I'm curious to see what guys, like we mentioned earlier, DeAndre Yedlin and John Brooks can do uh, playing down in these harsher conditions. That's great that you can uh, get experience in the World Cup against guys like Germany and all those other places, which is fantastic. But there's a different type of experience playing in these you know, not necessarily bottom feeders, but this, like, as we mentioned, like my high school field conditions out in Guatemala for a World Cup qualifier game, it, it does something to a person, I feel like. And you can talk to any, I'm sure, of those old U.S. veterans that have gone through the system and say, hey, talk, tell us about the time you had to go to, to TNT or to Guatemala sure, or wherever, right. these small countries to play meaningful World Cup qualifier games. They'll say it's probably one of the, the weirdest, worst conditions they've ever had to play in, and it does something. It messes with you a little bit as a right. player, too. So I'm curious to see how the new, younger guys, so that's great that we're calling up these new guys to the team, but what are they going to actually do in these conditions? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see David Bingham as part of the team. He's yeah. Been well deserved. I'm glad oh yeah, to see you've been that. preaching him for a long time. Right. Uh, uh, surprise pick. Edgar Castillo was back in the picture yeah. after two years of of being left out. Not of the sure, fray. I understand why, but he's been playing well with Liga MX from all that I've heard. I exactly, think that was the reason why he got called. Yeah, he's been playing very well for Monterey and Liga MX. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleven games there. Curious though, I just I don't get Wondolowski, I don't get Beckerman. Um, Neither of them deserve that. And Beckerman's coming off a red card too for RSL after a foolish. Because he's older, 
lunge, got beat on a play, right. lunged at a player, got a straight red. With no argument. No. Nope. You know, give him credit for that. I'm, I'm excited to see Bobby Wood. I hope he gets plenty of time. This is the type of game that he could thrive in. He could. And he could. He could. I've always liked Be the Bobby guy that Wood. scores. He's, he likes to sneak in those goals yeah. that you wouldn't expect to be scored. I've always enjoyed Bobby Wood, and I feel like he could really do something special in this game. Although, like I mentioned, I feel like the U.S., I could see Dempsey or a, a meaningful person getting free early in the game, scoring a goal or two, and then Guatemala finding a way to scrape away back into it. Now, obviously, if the U.S. is, anytime it's for the U.S. or anytime it's for the Revolution, I love being proved wrong with my predictions. So I could say, hey, I think the Revs are going to lose, or I think the U.S. is going to lose. You can prove me wrong anytime with those. Absolutely. I love when the other thing actually happens. And, of course, with the national team, the wild card is, and I, I'm really not saying this to complain, the wild card is you never know where Klinsman's actually exactly. going to play players. Exactly. So, Especially so in a game like this, that's why I'm more comfortable saying I prefer a draw sure. or feeling like Guatemala might lose because Guatemala could still come out and win 1-0 or 2-1, and then U.S. could still come back in Columbus on a good field and a good atmosphere and drop four or five goals on this team. Just a couple of quick notes uh Tony Tichani of the crew was not called up. Oh, yeah. Um, it's Brad, Tichani, by the way. Thank you. It's like Tichani. Who's that? <laughs> thank you. Uh, Brad <laughs> Evans is injured. Jermaine Jones, because he's serving that suspension for uh, his antics in MLS last year, the suspension actually carries over to the U.S. national what team as Kyle well. What about Kyle Beckerman, though? He's on a red card. Does that not matter? That No, because that is, that's a league... See if you can follow me here. That was league-specific. Sure. When you go after a referee a or something like that. A governing it's, body. It's, that's it's, a, yeah, it, okay. no matter where he would play in the world. Oh, that's right. I did. Okay. Right. Okay, fair enough. Because that, that suspension came down from U.S. soccer because that's right. it was a referee that he attacked. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, speaking of the U.S., I'm curious about the U23s as well. They play Columbia at Columbia, and then they come back as well. Uh, tough, 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 tough series. Tough Columbia's, Yeah. I, I don't know. I have a hard time getting behind this one as well. Um, it, what's, what will be fun, you know, seeing Jordan Morris? Yeah, but the, only, the, only, the biggest argument, though, that I've heard about the U.S. at the 23 is that they don't have a single goal scorer on the team. Jordan Morris has looked skittish in MLS so far. Kyrie Shelton has one goal in his entire MLS career. And then the other two guys they've got called in, who I can't remember at the other time, are barely seeing playing time or any scoring minutes at all. Maybe this is this is a case, and I never agree with this tactic, but maybe they're going down there just mm-hmm. to try to keep Scare it as low in. scoring as possible. They're that not looking. They're, they're not very looking midfielder to win. heavy, right? Uh, especially when you look at a player for Colombia like Juan Fernando Quintero. Plays in Europe, mm-hmm. plays fantastic in Europe. He's their playmaker, so that's that's who the ball is going to be going through for Colombia. That's the guy that the U.S. has to watch in yeah. this world. In uh, not sorry, not World Cup, but Olympic, Olympic qualifiers. Game. Yeah, I'd agree with you. So this game's in Colombia, Simon. What do you think about it? Because I know we don't have a ton of time here. What do you think? I'm going with Colombia two zero. Uh, I was going to say I've got to go with Colombia as well. I mean, I don't. I want to. I would love, obviously, for a U.S. even a goal, but I have a hard time really feeling like this is going to be anything of any sorts. I don't know. I feel like Colombia is going to take a victory in this one. Even back in the states, I don't know what the U.S. is going to do really. I think back in the states, you know, that depends on who gets called back in. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, if they if they slide Jonathan Brooks and DeAndre like mm-hmm. Yedlin over to the U twenty three for their for their home leg, I think they have a good chance of actually uh, making the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I'll say it. Sure. No, I'd agree with you on that one. If they bring those guys in, though. If they bring them in, yes. Okay. Real fast before we go to a break. Canada, Mexico. What do you think? <laughs> Mexico. Mexico. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> Canada with Kyle with Kyle Kyle Laren, that's his name, not Kyle Shelton. Kyle Laren, I feel like is gonna do 
Yeah, I just look. I could see it. I could see it being like a zero zero or a one mm-hmm. one draw because it is in Canada. Yes, but, but Canada is not a scary place to play. It's not though. a scary place to play. No nope. offense, like to the Azteca. The Azteca is probably one of the most fierce places to play in all of soccer. Oh right, and let's be honest, the U.S. is not a place to fear right now when no. you go there and play either. Where in the U.S. though? Is there any any stadium in the United it used States? Used to be Columbus. That's true, especially in the colder temperatures. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. All right, well, we're going to chat with Jim Gabra for the Washington Spirit when we come back to chat with him about the upcoming NWSL season. Got a couple of interviews, so you're going to hear more from other people than you are from Simon and I. That might be a blessing in disguise for some of you that prefer to hear what other people have to say than us. So uh, we'll come back with that interview, and then once he's done with that, we will come back again and wrap the show up with some a few predictions and some power rankings and some other MLS-geared things and look back briefly on what happened in the last week in MLS. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon. Uh, last week we had an opportunity to speak with Canadian international and NWSL player Adriana Leone of the New York Western Flash. It was fantastic during our women's soccer spotlight. And now this week we get a fantastic opportunity to speak with Washington Spirits head coach Jim Gabra. Jim, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for taking some time. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So, Jim, the upcoming season just around the corner. Preseason is in full swing. How is the team looking so far? Uh, team's looking good. A lot of energy. Uh, first week of preseason is always um, very difficult, uh, especially difficult for me because this year because it's a new roster for me. Um, we've got some good draft picks and we've got some good invited players in. And uh, you know, the first week is really evaluation, and then you know, see where we are, and we, then we'll have our our Canadian players come in, and um, our national team players come in as well. So uh, U.S. players. So it's uh, the, the first week is really evaluation, um, and then then we'll have two weeks of uh, really kind of settling in the rhythm. But I, I've been very happy. The staff's been very happy with the effort the players put in, and uh, we've got a lot accomplished uh, so far in just a couple of days. Well, that's fantastic to hear. It's especially good uh, with with preseason. It's always uh, that first week or two, as you mentioned, is that true defining point. It's like, all right, how much did my players actually work out in the off season? Did they follow the programs we sent them, the nutrition, all that? So, at least from what it sounds like, they've uh, they've been doing their their job, which is which is fantastic to hear. Uh, I'm curious in this aspect because uh, your team, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of fantastic and talented young ladies on your team. Uh, you mentioned some international players. Uh, one of the people I'm really curious to know about, uh, at least from a coach's perspective, is what it's like to have an up-and-comer in the U.S. women's national team like Crystal Dunn on your roster. Uh, it's great. I've, I've been fortunate to manage some, some some of the best players in the world from all different countries, and um, I'm really looking forward to working with Crystal. It's been only been a couple of days, but... Uh, you know the, the value she brings to our club. Um, I think was on display last year as getting 15 goals and being named the most valuable player. Um, 
you know, it's really it's really difficult um, to find difference makers in, the, in our game, and and she is is an absolute difference maker. So um, you know, I think it's uh, it's been my approach to come in and, and try to help her along the way of, of improving and getting better as a player and more well-rounded and um, also put some pieces around her uh, that are going to help her and, and help the club. Who are, who uh, are some of the players? Get more wins. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, I was going to say, who are some of the players that you, you mentioned putting the right pieces around uh, player, a young and exciting player like Crystal Dunn? Who are some of those uh, ladies on your team this season that uh, you're really looking to either see how they produce or you know that they will be able to step up and do some great things? Well, um, from a deeper, like a six or an eight role, we have Christine Nairn, who's you know can spray a ball all over the park. Um, very, very technical player. We've got Diana Matheson, who will probably be like a number ten, and uh, yep. our Argent- Argentinian player Benini's coming back from an ACL. Uh, that's someone who we look to, to kind of fill in a, a ten role. And uh, you know, I felt the biggest need the roster had was was a real number nine, a, a target forward, goal scorer, and uh, we're fortunate enough to be able to discover and sign Katie Stengel. So. Um, I'm really looking forward to see how how she mixes in with all of those players and um, and how it all plays out. You know, we haven't we haven't had an awful lot of, of time together so far, but um, you know, so far I've liked what I've seen of, from them. That's fantastic to hear. Talking with head coach of the Washington Spit, Jim Gabra, here on uh, the another episode here of Two Up Front. Uh, Jim, another question for you in regards to. Um, Opening day, April 16th. Uh, it feels like it's just around the corner, honestly, but at least maybe in my opinion from covering and following Major League Soccer, it feels like the season ends and then it starts again almost instantaneously. But with NWSL, I feel like there's a little bit more downtime. Is that just how the league is designed, or does it feel like, if at least from a coach's perspective, that you blink and all of a sudden the new season's upon you? Uh, no, the offseason's very long. Uh, there's certainly a lot of work to do and planning and uh, making adjustments to your roster. Um, if anything, it, it, the season, the preseason is too short. Um, you know, in our case, we've got we've got four weeks. First week's evaluation, and then uh, you know, and then we've got games every weekend in preseason. And um, you know, then the season starts, and it seems like once the season starts or preseason starts, all of a sudden, you know, you blink your eye and the whole season is gone. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, our season is too. Off season is probably too long, but uh, it's kind of the, the path and the, and the point we are in our development early. Now, how long have you been around the women's game for those that don't know? Uh, 15 years. Wow, okay. Fantastic. Have you always been um, either a head coach in the league? I know the league's only a couple years old, but have you always filled the head coach role, or have you assisted at different levels or position coach uh, for our listeners that don't no, know? No, I've, I've been a head coach. I was first head coach with the Washington Freedom uh, in WSA. And um, I'm actually the only coach that's coached every year in women's professional soccer. And then the team, the years in between WSA and WPS, uh, we, we we kept the club alive and uh, played in the W League and ran some youth stuff uh, in anticipation of, of another league coming along. So um, the last five years, I was at um, with Sky Blue in New Jersey. So it was uh, when this job opened up, it was it was a great opportunity for me to come kind of full circle and come home and pick up where I left off and, you know, 10 years ago starting something and uh, have, the, have the fortunate opportunity of working in a league that's that's in a great place and, and growing and, and I think just like the game itself is, is moving in a, in a great direction and getting to the point where we all want it to be. Uh, Jim, speaking of, of the game and the direction that it's in, 
Um, you know, I'm looking back on your career here, and you actually have a connection to where Baxter and I are located. You had spent uh, a season or two with the the indoor team, the Milwaukee Wave. If you don't know, if you don't know, we're based in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I saw I saw Appleton on the phone, so I, I knew it was. Yeah, yeah, that's phone. my that's my number. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you had a you had a pretty long career in the indoor game as well. And one of the things we like to ask ask our guests about is just how you've seen the game grown from. You know, the early 80s where indoor soccer was king and, and kind of basically kept the game alive professionally in this country to where it is today. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't be happier where the game is. Um, you know, on the men's side, it's, I, I would have never in my wildest dreams think that you would be having, um, you know, playing in front of stadiums of, uh, you know, 30,000 30, season ticket holders like the Seattle and the atmosphere where you've got you know, it's a European atmosphere with you know a an NFL type of crowd, uh, numbers-wise. Um, so I mean, it's it's very rewarding and gratifying for me to see the game get to that point. Um, you know, I think the game in, in overall has grown so much, um, and the women's game is is kind of ten, twelve years behind where the men's game is. It's, uh, you know, I think the, the path is 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 going to be very similar, um, but you know. The thing that the story that I could tell is going into into a sports bar last summer to watch a women's World Cup game, and you know, having everybody engaged, uh, the average sports fan um, watching a women's World Cup game or a women's soccer game, and really being into it. Um, you know, that's another thing that you know you can dream about, and you all you think that's where the sport rightfully deserves to be as, as a passionate fan of the game. Uh, but to actually see that where you know, the average fan knows about a women's, you know, national team game or the mm-hmm. women's national team. I mean, that's that's something that I didn't, I didn't, even being a very optimistic person, I didn't think that was going to happen this soon. So, um, you know, the game, the game itself was in a great place in this country, and um, and I think it's going to get exponentially better. Right. That's 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 the next question I have for you. Is you have been involved with the leagues that have started up and then you know, folded, start up and folded. And, of course, we, we've we seen that in the men's game for years until MLS finally started to get a hold. Um, yeah. Um, you know, what What does the NWSL have to do to get to that point where, well, thankfully we can say where MLS is right now? Um, I just I just think it's a matter of time and, and making sure it's grown, um, grown at the right that's always going to take work 
Absolutely. And I think I think one of the good things that I see too is the cooperation now too between the NWSL and MLS. Yeah. They're helping fantastic. each other see out. The partnerships going. Uh but bringing this back to Washington Spirit, this season what uh what do you think the fans can expect? You finished 4th last year. Um obviously you're always looking to improve, but but you know, if you could talk to the fans out there right now. Granted it's early. What what's something that you could say to them that they can expect in this coming season? Well, I mean, it's always going to be, you know, teams that I manage, it's, it's going to be a hard-working um, fight to the finish and, um, you know, very organized and uh, a possession type of uh, style of play. So, you know, obviously you want to you want to win every game. You want to finish, you know, you want to win the supporter shield and then you get in the playoffs and you, know, you got to win. You got to be playing as the best that you can be, uh, in our case, in the end of September and October. So, um I think the roster and, and the, the club uh, was in a really good spot. And it's not like I need to come in here and, and reinvent things. I just got to come in and try to um, help it along the way and get it through the next step. I mean, they've run into Seattle the last two years, and you know, it might be easy to say, "Hey, we got to find a way to beat Seattle," but that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what. There's nine other people trying to do that. So exactly. Um, you know, I think it's it's not so much that there has to be drastic change; it just has to be you know continued improvement and. Um, I hope to, hope to help out there. Can you uh, enlighten us a little bit more, Coach, about the draft class that you have this year? I know you mentioned you've got some really good ladies through the draft this year, and we hear about sports like the NBA and with you know the NFL and all those other you know major sports that you know they build through the draft. And with women's soccer still coming around, as you've mentioned, and as we've mentioned here as well, um, how much of a of a value is going you know, getting players through the draft? Is it does it play as big a role in the women's league as it does in any other league, really? Um. Yeah, it, it kind of differs year to year, um, and where we are now, where, where we've got ten teams, that's that's an awful lot of uh, jobs. I mean, um, you know, there's also um, you know the strength of, of draft class varies every year. I think this was a, a, a probably mid to a middle of the road kind of draft class. Uh, we have, um, you know, we we ended up. Uh, Picking uh, Shana Williams from Florida State, um, very athletic forward, and then we took uh, in the second round Kelly Ferguson from uh, Arizona State, who is more of a um, you know another another attacking player, but um, you know someone who I think maybe kind of was a little bit under the radar playing out the Pac-10 and had a little bit of injury problems, but uh, you know someone who's got an awful lot of upside, very athletic, and also uh, you know very a very good player. Um, and then our, uh, our third pick we took. Took Allie Murphy, um, a defensive midfielder or central midfielder from Texas Tech, and um, and our when we took a goalkeeper, Madeline Schiffel from uh, University of San Francisco, and then our last pick we picked a uh, since we have a very a very a, a long tradition of uh, having reserve teams and, and youth club teams under our under our brand or playing with under, as our brand. Um, we took uh, Carol Wilson. Um, She's a local kid who played for our reserve team the last couple of years over the summers uh, from Duke. So coming off a, a national championship, so it was a it was a very good draft class for us. We I came I came in and we only had two picks. Um, I trade made it made a trade to get two more picks. So we had four picks, and it was uh, you know felt like we needed a little bit more uh, attacking options and a little bit more pace um, and athleticism uh, up front. 
Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, it definitely seems um, as the as the game continues to grow. I know for true lovers of the game of soccer, they're like, wait, why does America have this draft thing? It's and it's it's funny how it works, but at the same time, I mean, that's it is a very American thing, obviously, to do the draft. But teams like the Washington Spirit and all different kinds of teams that we hear and and MLS and NWSL can can benefit out of it, and you find some of these up-and-coming talents that maybe you might have missed in the the scouting realms or something. So, uh, well, Coach, we really appreciate you taking the time today for uh, coming on our show and speaking a little bit about the upcoming season. And uh, we hope that we can spend a little bit more time with you uh, in the upcoming weeks as well and maybe check in maybe mid-season as well and see where your ladies are at at that point. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Yeah, good luck with the season. Very good. All right. We are going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got much more in store for you here on 2 Up Front. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 2 Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we've had a fantastic show. We've gotten to chat with Sam Mewis of the U.S. Women's National Team, and we just chatted with Washington Spirits' Jim Gabra as well. Two exciting people, two great interviews as well. Sam, obviously more of that player perspective, Jim, that coaching perspective, and it was great to hear what they had to say about the upcoming seasons, because those are two teams that are going to see each other a fair amount this season yes, as well. Yes, they will. All right, well, we have some power rankings, some predictions, some I believes, and all that stuff, so I'm going to let you run point on this one, Simon. What would you like to do first? Yeah, let's go ahead and start with the uh, the power rankings. Okay, sounds good. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Simon and I offer our five, our top five teams in MLS and our power rankings. Uh, last week, uh, who did we have in our power rankings last week, Simon? Right, I had Toronto at number five, Sporting Kansas City at number four. We both. Uh, you also had Sporting at number four. You had NYCFC at number five. Sorry, jumping all over here. We both had San Jose at number three, and then we flip-flopped our mm. one and two. You mm-hmm. had Montreal as your number one, Houston as your number two, and therefore I had Houston as my number one, and Montreal as my number two. Mm. Yes. And it looks like you know we're, we're following a similar theme this week. We It's always tough with our power rankings because it's early in the season, so sometimes it's a little bit of a gut feeling goes into it. Uh, so I will say that uh, with my number five this week, it's actually somebody I never thought I'd put there, but they've had a good yeah. couple of weeks, so I, I had to do it. I've got Philadelphia Union as oh, my number five. Okay, yeah, I've got Orlando at my number five, honestly. I think Kyle Laren, and I, I know what folks are saying. They're like, well, Orlando, they've done, you know, they've only won one game, but Kyle Laren and what they're doing right now and the fact that they're still, they've done enough to not get blown out of the water in their first three games without any of their big stars. I 
I agree with you. I, I actually struggled with putting Philly there over Orlando. Okay. Uh, and frankly, you know what? I just referred to the standings. Philadelphia's got two wins. Orlando has uh, sure has has their first win. And granted, they're undefeated. Orlando City. They've got one win and two draws. Um, so it was a tough one for and me. Larry but, scored but in every game too. Th- here's the way I feel about it. It's kind of like I look at them as children sometimes. Sure. <laughs> I know Philly's not going to be in the power rankings for much longer, no. so I'm going to give them one week. In oh the power my rankings. gosh, you're giving them a participation <laughs> trophy this early in the season. So nice. They've earned it though. They have sure, earned it. They have. They've Chris Pontius it. has done a great job, and they've won back-to-back games, as you mentioned. Number four for both of us. I have the Montreal Impact. They've dropped from my number one all the way to my number four. Who do you have? I've got San Jose as my uh, number. They've four. dropped uh, one spot. Yep. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you a quick preview here. Basically, my uh, one, two, and three dropped a spot oh, from last week. It's pretty simple for those that were playing at home. Okay, right. Uh, mine swapped a little bit. Uh, my number three is interesting. It's going on a bit of a leg, but they have the LA Galaxy at number three. Yeah, you did. They weren't in your rankings at all last week. They were not. No, uh, but they uh, have. They're, they've won two games. They're undefeated at home this season. They won the California Classico fairly convincingly. Yes, they did. As Three well, to one. Yassi Zardes had two goals. I mean, anytime you have a young, a talented player like that making some big moves, that's what you want. And I think LA has at least earned a, a temporary spot in my top five for now. Yeah, and I've got uh, Montreal at my number three. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. It's it's early in the season, so I don't want to hit teams too hard. Uh, you know, for for one loss. Sure. So I keep them where where I have them, or not not keep them, but I just knock them down. Yes. One down, uh, one notch to uh, number three. But it's also because of who jumped to my number one spot. Yes. Yep. Uh, we both have uh, Houston. At number two, yeah, that game against New York Red Bulls, four to three. What a barn burner! It looked like it looked like Houston was actually going to walk away with the win. There it was flip flop of a game, but it yep. looked like Houston might win. And New York finally decided, you know what, we need to win this season, and they did. Uh, really, really intense game. Four to three was the final score there. So I believe. Houston still is a good team to uh, be they looking are. at. I mean, those two goals that Felipe scored, I mean, no keeper really could have saved out Absolutely. of those. So you have to take that into consideration as well when it comes to power rankings. And we both share our number one teams this week, Simon. We do. And number four for me last week jumped all the way to number one, Sporting Kansas City. They're looking good. Say what you will about the Brad Davis goal that controversially gave them the win. It was a good no call from what we've heard by the referee and Brad Davis's little semi-skirmish foul in the box there. But hey, he Who put said it, it was a good no call? I've seen some analysts say it was a good no call. Man, I he stepped on the guy's foot it and the happens. guy falls down. Yeah, yeah, but it's a foul. <laughs> it happens and it's a foul. Listen, I I hate to say this because I've always liked Brad Davis. I lost I lost a little bit of respect for him this mm, week. Interesting. Um, I I know it's the ref now will will decide whether a ball goes out of you know needs to be played out or mm-hmm. he blows the whistle to stop the play if a player is injured. But Brad Davis calls for the ball as if he's going to knock it out. Everybody stop playing. Both teams stop playing. Sure. And then Brad Davis just continued with the play. And even both teams were like, "Wait, what's going on?" Okay. <laughs> and that and that's the only reason is that his team, Sporting Kansas City stopped playing. Um my goodness. Who who did they play? Was it Toronto? Yeah, it was uh, Toronto. Yeah. Uh, obviously everybody in Toronto stopped playing. Mm-hmm. So it looked like there was a sportsmanship agreement of, okay, we're going to knock it out. Yeah. And then Brad Davis just takes the ball down the field. I had no problem with Michael Bradley getting <laughs> as upset as he did at that moment. Why not? Exactly. So, yeah, those are our top fives for you on our power rankings. Let us know your thoughts on social media. You can tell us on Facebook. Shoot us a message right on our Facebook wall, 2UpFront on Facebook, at 2UpFront on Twitter, uh, 2UpFront Soccer on Twitter, 
at Baxter Colburn at Simon Provan. Predictions now for this upcoming week. Small games that we've got going on. Only three MLS games this weekend. NYC FC and the Revs, DC United and FC Dallas, and Vancouver and Houston. Who are your three yeah, I'll go through weekend. this real quickly. I'm actually going to take New York City because New England has not looked good. Okay. Um, New York's primed to score a bunch of goals in this one. I'm going to take FC Dallas over DC United. Okay. Uh, I actually really don't have an upset pick this week. Um, although Vancouver, maybe you could argue, is, a, is an upset pick, but I'm going to go with Vancouver in this game How as interesting. well. interesting. Okay. So uh, New York City FC, FC Dallas, Vancouver, only three games. I'm not taking any draws. How about wow, that? Wow, look at that. I am taking one draw. I'm taking a draw between the Revs and, and NYC FC. I've got FC Dallas, and I have Houston winning. All right. And then we both have Columbia beating the U.S. 23s and Mexico winning. And then we also have, you have USA beating Guatemala, and I have a draw. So look at me pulling out all the draws this week. It's crazy. <laughs> all right. Very quickly, our I Believe segment this week where Simon and I both throw out an I Believe that we think will happen in the soccer world. Simon? Uh, I kind of already mentioned it. I believe the U.S. is going to walk away with two wins over these next two games over Guatemala. Hmm, interesting. All right. I believe that Kristen Pulisic will make a debut in Columbus and he'll score a goal. Oh, scoring a goal is mm-hmm. the big one. I like that prediction. I do too. What a, It's just a U.S. thing to do. We saw it with yes. Jordan Morris. We've seen it with so many others. Why can't it be Christian? And will he finally be captied as well? That's right. Sign That's him. right. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Special thanks to Western New York Flash and Women's International, Sam Mewis, for joining us on the broadcast today, and for Washington Spirit head coach Jim Gabra as well. Next week during our Women's Soccer Spotlight, it will be Ellie Brush of the Houston Dash and Australian national Gr- team joining great us. Great personality. She is so fun. We love chatting with her. You're going to not want to miss that interview next weekend. We've got more exciting interviews as well coming up for you on the program, so stay tuned. You can find us on our social media pages, Simon, which are where? Uh, Facebook, 2 Upfront. Uh, Twitter, we are at 2 Upfront Soccer. Of course, we have our own Twitter feeds, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. And you can check out our website, 2UpfrontSoccer.Wix.com slash 2UpfrontSoccer to find out all the upcoming information about different broadcasts and interviews and everything that we're doing so check out our website there for all of us here at two up front thank you so much for tuning in we will see you all again next week and with our manager being the one above we are two up front hike the trail check order takeout check schedule heart checkup done we've all adapted to a new way of living Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.